So this morning, we are continuing um, our progression through the book of Acts. And um, if you don't know much about scripture, the book of Acts is, um, it's, it's the narrative, the part of the Bible that immediately follows all the gospels, the gospels of the story of Jesus. Um, we have four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then we get to this book of Acts, which was written by one of the gospel writers, the, um, uh, the disciple Luke. And Luke, in his writing, um, then goes on to tell the story of the beginning of the church. And We're thinking about this in terms of the party that God began with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the book of Acts, and we want to think about then what the party is to God's people in after the time of Jesus, but then also what the party should be for us, that we as a community live into this party of God's people, this beautiful gathering. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I look forward to Sunday mornings uh, most weeks. There are some weeks when it's a little bit harder for whatever reason, but most weeks I look so forward to Sunday morning because we get to gather together. We get to fellowship with one another. We'll have cookies and coffee a little bit later on in the fellowship hall. We'll talk together. We'll share life together, but we'll also worship. And in our worshiping, experience this incredible celebration of who God is, of who Christ is. And that's really um, our great purpose. And so in this series, we want to explore then how to live more deeply into that purpose. And this morning, we want to talk about what equips us for that purpose. And that, that equipping comes through this beautiful thing called joy. And we need to learn a little bit more about what joy is. What's interesting is this morning's passage, um, Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 23, um, really, it never has the word. It never uses the word joy. You'll never see it once in this whole text. But what you will see are what the effects are of joy among God's people. That's what we want to learn more about this morning as we um, begin our learning from God's word. Let's uh, pray together that he equips us to hear with hearts that are open and ready to um, receive what he has for us today. Father, we pray, Lord, that you equip us through your Holy Spirit to have open hearts and minds to what it is that you call us to do today, how you call us to respond to your truth. And Lord, I I know there are people here who um, are are experiencing joy and the fullness of life. They're on vacation or they're anticipating vacation or they're just having wonderful things that they can experience. And Lord, we pray for those folks that their joy may be complete and we might share in that together. And for those who come this morning, um, who, again, they come complacent, it's sort of even keel, nothing's really big or nothing too, too good or too bad, Lord, meet us there that we might be encouraged to see your spirit more deeply and powerfully at work in our lives and experience more of you in your creation around us and in the relationships we have. Lord, for those who come this morning in pain, we pray Lord, that you might work through, work through that wound, that pain, that illness, whatever it is, Lord, and that they might be able to experience what joy is even in the challenges, even in the trials. Lord, this is work that you and you alone can do through your Holy Spirit, and Lord, we pray you truly do that in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives today. Lord, we pray these things all in Christ. Amen. 
So um, you may not be aware of this, but when I was a kid, um, I occasionally misbehaved. Um, I wasn't an angel all the time. Uh, I lived in a very small town uh, in eastern Ontario, Canada, called Smith Falls. Smith Falls was a small enough town, uh, a big enough town that it had a, a police force, but it was a small enough town that a police force was only six people, only of which two were on duty at any given time. And as a kid, we knew this. We knew that there were only ever two police officers on duty in our town, okay? So that's one part of the story. The second part of the story is this. Um, There was a place in town that you would go to swim if you didn't have a pool at your house. We didn't have a pool. So we went to this place, and Kristen actually has seen this place and can't believe that I didn't die as a kid because of what this place looks like. It's not a pool. It's actually in a river. It's in the, what's called the Rideau Canal, and there's this part that they cordon off, and it's actually a fairly fast-moving river, but they cordon off a section with some of those buoy lines or whatever so that you knew where you were to swim. It had the diving board, a dock, a little kids' area over here, and the big, big kids' area over there, and the, the current was actually strong enough that you had to be careful what you were doing sometimes because you might get taken away, um, but I didn't die, you can tell, and um, we, uh, we had a lot of fun, but the swimming part there would get a little boring because it was just, I don't know, we, we, thought, we thought we wanted more than that. So about a quarter mile away over here where the river ran through, the, the canal ran through, there was a little dam where they had a power station and um, the water would run over the dam and after that there was a bunch of rapids. And if you've ever swam in rapids, it's much more exciting. And we were kids, and I think I was about nine or ten years old at the time. We're looking for exciting, so we went over to the rapids area. And oddly enough, there were signs all over the place saying, not for swimming. But we knew, first part of the story, two police officers in town. Who's going to stop us? And they only had one car. There was one car, two police officers. So we would go and we would jump into these rapids and here's how it would work. Because the lifeguards over at the swimming area, which isn't too far away, would look over, see kids over there, but because they were on duty, they couldn't leave, call the police. The police would come with their car. But the thing is, if you're on one side of the rapids and you come with the car, we would exit on the other side and it took them 10 minutes to get around and that time we could take off. So we would do that, and we would do that over and over again. They would come to one side, we would get out, take off, they would try to chase us, wouldn't find us, we'd jump back in about an hour later and keep doing this over and over and over again. Not good for my kids to do, but it was great fun for me. Until the day when the police officers were smart enough with two people to figure it out. What they did was simply this. Dropped one guy off, on one side, then drove the police car around to the other side. What did we do? Hopped out, and suddenly we were met with Smith Falls Finest. That was an interesting conversation. We were worried that we were going to get thrown in jail. Of course, you're nine years old. You think all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to be sentenced to like five years in jail for swimming in the rapids. But it was a warning that day. It was a warning that we heard, that we listened to, and that we obeyed until next summer. But that's a whole other story. 
But I can remember after talking to this police officer, he's got the full uniform on, you look down, he's got his billy club, he's got his gun, he's got all this stuff, and he's huge compared to us. I remember going home sheepishly terrified because all of a sudden this person with great authority had told me, don't do that anymore. And I'll tell you, made a difference. I wasn't going to do that for a long time. In our text this morning, two disciples get a similar sort of talking to. They get the authority straight in their face about what they can and cannot do. And they are confronted with very clear instructions about how it is that they are to then, because of being caught how they are to behave. And what's interesting to me as we read this story is how radically different their response is to being confronted with this authority than my response was as a kid. Now, these are obviously very different stories. I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. The disciples should have been doing what they were doing. And they were committed, no matter what, no matter what the authority said, that they were going to continue to do what God had called them to do. Join me in reading chapter 4 of the book of Acts, beginning at verse 23. We're going to start with that first verse. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Now, really quickly, if you'd like to, and, and just for a second you can scan it, look at verses 18 through 22. And you can see what they had experienced. They had been a part of a healing of a man. And this man was, we find out, over 40 years old a little later on. We find out that this, this healing rattled the cages of the authorities. Why? Because they were healing in Jesus' name. They were proclaiming the truth that God has power. And because God has power, he can heal obviously physical bodies, but if that power was real, what other power might be real? And that's what the religious authorities were afraid of. They were afraid that if this sort of caught on, if more stories were, were told, if more miracles or more, more um, converts came, that eventually it would be too big of a train for them to stop and they would get run over by it. So what they say to Um, what they say to Peter and John is simply this, stop, don't do it anymore. And what's interesting is Peter and John, how they hear that. And if you look even in that section, verses 18 through 22, what does it say in verse 19? They say to them, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to him? In essence, what they're saying is, You can tell us whatever you want, but we know what we've been commanded to do. We know what is right, and we're going to stand up for it. What's really interesting is remember who these people are. This is Peter and John, right? Think about what had happened three months before when they were confronted with the authorities. Remember? Garden of Gethsemane. What happened? Everyone bails. Terrified. They weren't even going to come back into um, the, 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 uh, the courtyard. The only person who did come was Peter. But remember what he did. 
Before the, the, the rooster crowed, he denied Jesus three times. And all of a sudden now, something is radically different in these people's lives. Instead of cowering in fear before, when, they're, when they're told, don't do this, or our power is greater than your power, they say, whatever. Are we going to listen to you or are we going to listen to God? And frankly, today, now, forever, we're going to listen only to God. Something has changed in the hearts and the minds of God's people and these disciples. That they're not afraid anymore. They're not afraid of being confronted. They're not afraid of being imprisoned. There's something else that has equipped them for life. This is our first introduction to joy. Because it's joy that does it. And let's learn more about that. Verses 24 through 28. It says this. When they heard this, They raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke to the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. Listen to this. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, I'm going to read that last verse, verse 29 again, because I think it's an absolutely key verse to the text. Now, Lord... Sorry, they did what your power, verse 28, and will had decided beforehand should happen. They're catching on to a truth here. And that truth is huge for us to hear for our lives. And that truth is simply this, that God is sovereign no matter what happens. And that's oftentimes hard to hear, right? especially if we think about the experiences in our lives, that um, God is present in divorce. God is present in cancer. God is present in political fights. God is present in the big issues of the day, like racism, sexuality, gender, all the politics. God is present even in death. And what does it say there? Again, hear it. They did. These things happened because of your power and will had decided beforehand what should happen. They are acknowledging God's sovereignty in all of life. And in that acknowledgement, they are equipped then to live into whatever is ahead, saying, I will do, we will do what we believe God's will says for us to do because God's will always happens. God's plan and purpose is always fully accomplished, but we are going to live understanding that, living into that, and having the courage to stand even when the challenges, the bad stuff, the hard stuff comes. Go ahead and imprison me. God's will be done. Go ahead and torture me. That's what happens eventually to some of these disciples. God's will be done. 
Go ahead and even kill me. God's will be done. I believe in a sovereign God, they are saying. And for us to believe in that actually equips us with incredible freedom. That's what joy is. Joy is being able to say, regardless of the circumstances, God has a plan and a purpose. He has a will. He has a plan. And I will do my best to acknowledge that in everything and live according to his plan for my life. That's what joy gives you freedom. Incredible freedom to be able to say, I'm going to go and do what I think God wants me to do today. And I know a couple things that God wants me to do every day. He wants me to remember those first two things. He wants me to proclaim the gospel of the glory and wonder of God. Remember that text? We're supposed to proclaim the glory and the wonder of God. And who are we supposed to proclaim it to? Do you remember? Everyone. So I know that to be the case. So if that's God's will, I'm going to live into that in every circumstance that I possibly can, even though it might get hard for me. Because God's will be done. God has a plan and a purpose. And living into that gives me great freedom. I'm not worried then. I don't have fear. That's what joy is. It's lack of fear because God's got it. There was this really, really interesting thing that happened this week. I think it was at the MTV Awards. How many of you know who Chris Pratt is? Chris Pratt is an actor Um, He actually acted in a number of television shows. Was it Parks and Rec, I think he was in? Um, He also has been in a number of movies. He is uh, the Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy, if that means anything to you. He's also in the reboot of Jurassic Park. This past week, at the MTV Awards, and if you know anything about MTV Awards, it is an anything-goes sort of place, literally. People show up with clothes on, without clothes on sometimes. People say things that are just crazy things all the time, do things that are crazy at these awards. It's sort of renowned for it. Chris Pratt got an award. I don't even remember what the award was. And he had a speech then, an opportunity to say something. So he chose to say nine rules for living. Some of those rules I'm not going to repeat because they're a little crass, a little bit junior high boy-ish. But some of them are really um, interesting. Some of the goofy ones, he said, breathe. If you don't, you'll suffocate. Seems appropriate. Another one was, when, you, when giving a dog medicine, put it in a hamburger. That seems to make sense, right? Then he has a couple platitudes that are basic, you know, just nice things for us to all hear. Reach out to someone in pain. Be of service. Feels good, and it's good for your soul. That sounds good. That would get an applause, I'm sure. And he said, you have a soul, be careful with it. It's another nice platitude for people to hear. But then he had two more. And I want you to listen real close to what these two more are. Okay, the first one is, goes a little deeper. It says, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. Okay, Chris Pratt, A-list actor, MTV Awards says that. Okay, people can applaud God. Okay? Here's the last one. I wrote down verbatim because it's really important. Listen to every word. Nobody 
is perfect. Nobody. None of us. People are going to say you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be. Now get your ears on. There is a powerful force that designed you that way and it loves you and will accept you for exactly who you are. It will forgive your flaws no matter what they are. If you are willing to accept that you, if you are willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. Freedom we enjoy in this country and that grace was, listen, paid for by somebody else's blood. Don't take it for granted. It is a gift which none of us is worthy of. Do your best to earn it. Be kind. Don't be a bully. And be of service. MTV Music Awards, A-list actor, talking about as near as we can tell, because he never named him, Jesus. This guy's living into something. I don't know what it is. I don't know the faith life of Chris Pratt. I have no idea what the implications of it are. But the fact that he felt the freedom in a context which is so often anything but godly to speak words of grace, of God's love, of God's power, of God's sovereignty over you, over all things to say, you can't fix yourself, only God can fix you and he accepts you like you are. That's powerful stuff. Chris Pratt is living into some sort of joy. He is equipped by something greater, deeper, wider, and it gives him courage to literally, this has been viewed by millions and millions of people, speak the gospel of Jesus Christ in this very public forum with great courage and without fear. That's powerful, friends. That's what God is equipping the disciples for in Acts chapter 4. And it's what he's equipping us for. If we have but the courage and acknowledge and live in that grace, live into that joy that God's got it all. And he simply asks us to live in relationship with him. The passage continues, 29 and 30. Now, Lord, they're still speaking. This is a prayer to God. Consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, they are doing something that God asked them to do, and that is to pray. God also asked them to make many prayers and requests. They do that. But they're praying for boldness, right? Now, in order to be bold, what has to happen? You have to have places where you have courage. Which means that these folks are asking to be put into places where courage is necessary. They're, being, they're asking God, put us in a hard space. Equip us when we get in that hard space to speak. But put us there in that hard space because then we know if, if we speak, it's with your boldness and not ours. Because God answers prayer and he answers the disciples' prayer here. They're asking to be given opportunity to speak of Jesus and God answers. 
answers them. Now, well, what's interesting is how they do it. Think about the different disciples and their stories. Peter, well, Peter, Peter's the Jerusalem guy. He's the Israel guy. He's the guy who really is, is the, the guy who deals with all the religious leaders. He's dealing with the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, and all the, the temple rulers. He's, and he has to be in a place where, where he speaks the name of Jesus because they're saying, shut up, be quiet. We don't want to hear it anymore. And he's saying to them, but I can't be quiet. He's with the religious leaders. Then there's another one, Philip. We know one story of Philip. Philip ended up speaking to an Ethiopian on the desert road beneath Jerusalem. Philip is that eunuch, or is, he's not a eunuch. Philip is the guy who goes and, and speaks to the people of other countries and other lands. There's actually conjecture that Philip eventually ended up in China. And that he went there to proclaim the gospel because that's where he was called to go. So Peter's with the rulers, religious authorities in Israel. Philip is the one who goes to these foreign lands. Paul has a different story. He ends up going into the halls of power. Eventually, he ends up standing before Caesar because he's a Roman citizen. And in each one of those places, each one of those contexts, these disciples have courage. And they speak boldly of the name of Jesus Christ. Now, friends, when we hear that, for us to hear that there is no place that you and I can go where the gospel is not necessary to be spoken by those who hold it, and it's, there's also no place that God can't go. You think your workplace is antithetical to the gospel being shared. Think about Paul, going into the throne room of Caesar, Caesar's a god. And he's saying, nice try, Caesar. You're only half-baked. I know the real God. You think your workplace, your family can't hear the gospel? Imagine the courage and the boldness that these disciples had to have. There is something unique in them that equips them for that. Friends, that's the joy of the Lord. It's the freedom knowing God's got this. If Caesar kills Paul, he kills Paul. If the religious rulers kill Peter, Peter dies. But God's will be done. And God will be glorified. And God will be glorified in me. Friends, for us to have that understanding of how powerful God's sovereignty in our lives is, these disciples are living into this. See what happens next. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Power shows up. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what happens next? Spoke the word of God. Okay, so remember, they asked for it. The Holy Spirit shows up, and then they can do it. So how can they do it? Can they do it on their own? Holy Spirit. Friends, you and I are not able to do what God has called us to do, even if we are full of joy, if we don't go equipped with the Holy Spirit. It's one of the reasons why I get so excited about when our worship team plays songs like they played just before we had the message. 
Because I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst. I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that those who went to Camp Dunamis this week, our junior high kids and their leaders, experienced the presence of God, the Holy Spirit equipping them, the Holy Spirit living in them in this past week. That means when those kids come back, there's something inside of them. There's a power that they've been a part of that equips them to that boldness to that joy, and to that life. Friends, our prayer this morning then becomes, Lord, give me more of the Spirit. Equip me with more of the Spirit's power. Come fill me. Come change me. Come transform me. Come equip me. And when that Spirit comes, friends, I don't know about you, but when I'm standing up here and they're singing that song and we're doing the things that we do in worship, it's like the ground it's like I'm lifting off, like I'm doing that levitating thing that, that freaks people out when magicians do it on the street, except it's the real thing, because my heart is so full of the presence of the Holy Spirit that I just, oh, I just want to say, how can you in the world not want this? Want this. Friends, so many of us, Sit on our hands oftentimes when the opportunity comes. I've done it. We think that that neighbor is going to reject us. We think that this person, they've heard it before. This time when they hear it, they're going to do the same thing and say, I don't want any of that. But that's God's work. That's God's stuff. You do know what your stuff is, though. I do know what my stuff is, though. And that is to pray the Holy Spirit might come. Come, Lord Jesus, come dwell in me, come empower me, come live in me, so that in the joy that you have made complete in my knowing the grace of Jesus, I can do nothing but speak to whoever might be there to listen the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Here's my challenge. Pick a person right now and in the next I'll give you three weeks three weeks pray in that three weeks that God equips you with opportunity and the spirit to speak speak in the way that Chris Pratt did there was a lot of humor in his message but when the time came he had the meat and potatoes to share the grace of Jesus Christ there was actually some stuff there Maybe it's simply sitting down and having a conversation over a malt barley beverage or a glass, glass of wine. Maybe it's in the pool as you swim around or when your kids are at, at, at swimming lessons or when you're on the field or when you're in the workplace or wherever it is. Pray over the next three weeks that God gives you the boldness and then equips you with the Holy Spirit to have the words to say, here's who I know who has changed my life. Here's the gift I've been given, Chris Pratt's words, the gift of grace. I believe it, and I think it's something worth you thinking about. Friends, as we live into that, in the next three weeks, may God equip you, if he wills it, to be a part of changing the life through the power of God's spirit, of somebody that you know, that you care about, that the kingdom might grow, and something that you might experience 
might bring God great glory. Do you pray with me? Living God, hope of the world in Jesus Christ. We are so grateful, Lord, that you, ex- that you equipped the disciples and the followers of you, the early followers, with joy. That they knew, despite whatever circumstances they faced, that, Lord, you were in control. You always are in control, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how bad things get, no matter how hard life might be. You are a sovereign God who loves us. You are a sovereign God who has loved us enough to give us Jesus. You are a sovereign God who then equips us through the power of the Holy Spirit to live in boldness, to live in the joy of Jesus Christ, regardless of circumstances, knowing you are in control, that you have given us life, and no one can take that away from us. Nothing can take that away from us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that even in the next couple of weeks, we can hear stories of you coming into someone's life in a brand new way, in an exciting, powerful way, and equipping them with your Holy Spirit and with boldness so that they might actually speak of the truth of Jesus in such a way that someone might hear it. And Lord, if it be your will, that you might do something with that truth. Lord, it's so often... So often when that moment comes, we feel a quickening of our hearts, but we feel fear and we feel doubt. Lord, I pray that you, through the power of your spirit, overcome that fear and that doubt. And Lord, may you equip us with your life, your joy, your power, your Holy Spirit in such a way that we can climb over that barrier. That maybe for some of us, even the first time, Share with somebody who does not know who Jesus is about the truth that gives us life, gives us hope, gives us purpose, gives us an eternity. Lord, that's work that you and you alone can do. We pray you do it today. In Christ's name, amen.